Hello, everyone, and welcome to EFG, LFG, PST. My name is Stephen Dutzman. I'm your host, and I am joined this week once again by my very good friend of far too long, Dana Brown. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How are you? I am doing all right. It is all about excitement right now because we finally got a release date for we did. World of Warcraft Shadowlands. It came during Gamescom, an event that I'm pretty sure you didn't know was happening. I did not. Uh, that's okay because y- you play one video game and that's it's a true. big one, but you don't need to pay attention to the rest of it, that crap. <laughs> you are uh, ex- you are exempt from those shenanigans. But I was there. I was not expecting World of Warcraft stuff. And all of a sudden... They showed some of the details, and he mentioned Covenants, and I was like, oh, he's talking about, wow, maybe we're going to get a release date, and here we did. So we'll talk about the release date in a moment. First, anything interesting happen in World of Warcraft to you this week? Um, You and I started uh, the alt train of old school crafting to try to get some gold in, in our games. I did. I brought you to Pandaria. And I gave you a whole stack of herbs in the hopes (laughs) that you would learn to transmute some stuff for me. So now we're uh, we're a mighty team where we're going to try and make some stuff. I am uh, I have already done my transmutes for today. I have to do that after this, actually. All right. Good reminder. Good reminder. We know that you'll do at least one a week because I'll remind you during the podcast. So there's that. And I have been leveling a rogue now. I took a break on my warrior and I'm really focusing on, you know, just focusing on leveling him during the streams that I do every Thursday on the Engaged Family Gaming Facebook page. And instead, I've been leveling a a dark iron dwarf rogue because I actually unlocked the dark iron dwarves, the allied race. And so I made a, a dark, a female dark iron dwarf rogue and she is adorable but deadly. <laughs> Don't you just love their hair? It looks like there's flames in them. Yeah, she, I, the one that I made, she has like this cool like ponytail top knot thing. Okay. And so because the ends of their hair look it's on, looks like it's on fire, she uh, looks like she has a little candle on her head. And then she <laughs> stabs you. I am a outlaw rogue, which truthfully I did not know existed. Mm-hmm. Until new. they told me all about how they get guns and grappling hooks. <laughs> and I was like, I get it, what? And so I have been messing around with that. She is in her 40s uh, leveling through Stranglethorn Vale, which has been kind of a neat little treat because I have not been leveling in Stranglethorn Vale in about 15 years. And so I am very much enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Good. I like my rogue. They are they made some fundamental changes to that class since I played it last mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. The That's most good. notable thing is that being stealthed, you move fast now. Whereas the yeah. last time I played, it was like 20% speed or some nonsense and now you just move at the same speed practically. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's weird on just how fast I watch rogues move around when they're they're stealth. It doesn't seem fair. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely don't have 
the same level of survivability as I do on all of my other characters. Mm -hmm. I'm way more fragile as her than I was on my warrior or obviously on my paladins. My paladins are virtually invincible, but it is a whole lot of fun. I'm really enjoying the alt game, so we're going to keep on going with that. I did make four death knights on another connected server to Argent Dawn, just in case. All right, so enough with story time. Let's talk about this expansion. Yeah. Shadowlands has a release date. Dana, what is that release date? So, if you are in North America, it is on October 26th. And if you are in Europe, it is on the 27th. That's real close, dude. Yeah, I know. That's like, what, eight weeks away? Not even? Yeah, it's just let it's just I have two months to get everything done. Are you feeling are you ready or are you feeling overwhelmed like you still have stuff to do? Oh, dude, I am so ready. I, the the burnout of this expansion is real for our group and I'm I'm ready for some new content. I can definitely feel that. I'm I came in late. I've only been here for three months and I'm already prepared for new content. So I'm a little concerned, but I know that you guys actually got, you know, drips and drabs of new content over time. Right. Whereas I did not. So I have been kind of I got everything all at once. I know, woe is me. First is the first world problems. I bought, you know, I got back to World of Warcraft and I had a whole expansion's worth of content to dig through. But it is, we, we got eight weeks and I'm starting to feel the pressure to get stuff done. Or more appropriately for me is I'm just trying to get all the like old stuff done because I know that when the new expansion comes out, I'm going to want to focus my energy on you know, playing with and learning and mastering all the new mechanics and dungeons, et cetera, in the new expansion. Right. So it's like, I'm kind of, it, what's, what's interesting is now that we have the expansion ready, I am done with BFA, but I'm spending more time looking at older stuff. Like I just spent a bunch of time in winter spring today trying to buy engineering patterns. Okay. Because of course I did. <laughs> well, so for me, it feels like um, the like now that we have a Shadowlands date of, for the expansion, now we're going to get a pre-patch date, which means it's not super new content, but it's new content. So like it feels like it breathes a little bit of life back into the game that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel instead of this endless drab of like we will be in this raid forever. Like we actually have something new to look forward to. It's true. I am looking forward to getting a character through Exile's Reach, which is going to come out along with the pre-patch. Yeah. Just because some of those transmutes and or transmogs rather are so cool. Did you see some of those? I have not. I'm going to have to look this up. So basically at the end, there's like a vendor that you can buy BOP greens that are really they're new weapon models but what they are is they are simple weapons but they're just done high res oh fancy alright so So people who want to just like RP as a farmer can just 
have a little well, rake I mean, that's like fancy. <laughs> yes. So there is a there are swords and daggers and bows. There's a bamboo staff, which is apparently uh, rather coveted by some of the people uh, we play with. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to. I actually really want one of the. They have they have these very simple like hatchet style hand axes, and I oh. definitely will be using those for my monk. Mm-hmm. I love the clean look on the daggers, so I may use that for you know my rogue. Yeah. So it is. It's going to be really interesting to see to see those around because there are a lot of people that really do prefer the simple and clean look. This is true. And these are definitely going to kind of fit in with that because it's early beginner equipment, quote unquote, that doesn't look like it was made 15 years ago. The downside to that is I think that's going to throw a wrench in the whole transmog market because the auction house, like if you – there are certain helmets and shoulders and you know certain pieces of gear that sell for a lot because they are incredibly simple and they're like the simplest and nicest looking old stuff. And I would imagine that now that they're going to have like these really beautiful 3D modeled ones that maybe that will just drop the bottom out on all that transmogrification. It might, honestly. Which, I mean, what are you going to do, right? So, obviously... They'll find find other stuff to put up there. The the Transmog game is everlasting. Yes, the Transmog game is, in fact, everlasting. So, let's see here. So, pre-patch. We know they're going to give us a date at some point. Mm -hmm. When do you think that date is going to be? So usually pre-patches are, what, four to six weeks before the expansions hit? So That's, that's the math for the last couple of expansions, as yeah. you have explained to me. <laughs> so my guess is we're probably going to see pre-patch around September 22nd. That's my guess. Okay. Oh, I'm going to be a contrarian and guess that it will be the week after. Okay. Uh, which would be the last Tuesday in September, mm-hmm. which would give them... Just shy of a full month yeah. between pre-patch and the expansion. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that they're going to push the pre-patch into October. But we have to remember, we know this game has had a troubled development. And we know that it still needs work. So I would be stunned if they do not crunch a little bit more just to give themselves as much time as they can. Yeah, so, I would agree. So, but you could very well be right, too. I I certainly would not be mad about that. And we know, you know, we talked about it on previous episodes, the, you know, what is coming in the pre-patch. But for the most part, as a reminder, it includes the level squish, the class changes, a new level cap of level 50, Mm -hmm. Exile's Reach, and it also includes the new leveling experience. And the new professions, to my understanding, you know, the the big profession changes are all going live, too, alongside that. Yeah. The profession changes are pretty significant. So I don't know if I don't know if you've read about any of those, Dana. I've read bare minimum. I know that, you know, way more about this than me. So basically, and this just stands to reason, I doubt that Blizzard thought about this like first, but as a consequence of making it so that you level from level one to 10 in 
Exile's Reach, and then you can pick your expansion and go from level 10 to 50 in whatever expansion you want. That kind of makes all the expansions even, right? It's not like things needed to be out of order. You just get different stuff depending on what expansion you go to, right? So that means that they can't have equipment from, say, Warlords be better than stuff from Vanilla because that doesn't make sense because you're leveling through them at the same time. So what's happening is all of them have kind of been equalized and the power, the gear that you make is actually relatively low power, or at least some of it is. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is you make these things called Relics of the Past, And these relics of the past, you actually make them using your crafting skills. They're actually universal. You can use a relic of the past from a tailor to augment a piece of blacksmithing gear. And what those relics of the past do is they can bring pretty much any piece of equipment that was crafted up to item level 100. Now, item level 100 under the level squish is basically Nihilotha gear. Okay, so most of the way there. Oh, yeah, pretty significant. So I think there's going to be two ways of looking at this. One, these things are going to be getting sold pretty heavily because a lot of people that are already at the level cap, right, we're going to be able to make all these things or a lot of these things already. And once we get the Relic of the Past recipes, we'll be able to create and then boost items that we had from the past, right? So let's say Arcanite Reapers and some of the other, you know, cool things, the the Dark Iron Pummeler, for example. Remember that hammer from Vanilla Mm -hmm. that you could could theoretically stun someone for eight seconds? (laughs) Um, So... It is – that's going to be really interesting. And so people are going to be able to very quickly gear up their alts because I know me. You know, I have – most of my characters do not have Nihilotha-level gear. So I will be able to make some stuff, send it to my alts, and give them eye-level 100 gear, which will help them level through the new expansion a little bit easier. You know, it's probably not going to let them speed demon their way through. Right. But item level 100 more powerful than I level 80. Right. So yep. it will be. So that's one thing I would say there's going to be a lot of crafters making these things. So I don't know if that's going to drive the price up or down. What's really interesting is they can be made by five of just about any kind of crafting material. So, for example, you know, the level five relic of the past, you can make it with five storms, uh, storm silver or five rune cloth because they were both crafting materials that were like the cap at their given expansion, right? Yeah. You know, rune cloth was the top tier cloth at the end of vanilla. Storm Silver is one of the top tier metals at the end of BFA. And so that's kind of how it works. Very interesting. I know I speculated a little bit and <laughs> and bought a bunch of rune cloth. Yeah, okay. It's my because my heaviest producer of things is a tailor. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, worst case you know, I make a bunch of bandages and vendor it. Like, I'm not 
I ain't mad. The one thing that I don't know is I don't know how they're handling bags. When you made a bag from the materials in, say, Outlands, yeah, it was definitively smaller than the bags that you can make in BFA. So I don't know if how they're changing that. It could be really awesome if all of a sudden all of our bags just get way bigger you know if we had garbage bags in our bank or whatever and they just all of a sudden (laughs) they're just massive that would be great but i don't think they'll do that probably not probably not so uh so we also found out so we're guessing on the date for the pre-patch but we did get a confirmed date for the beginning of season one for pvp (laughs) and the release date of castle nathrio which is the raid dungeon yeah it's dracula and basically Dracula's castle <laughs> and that is November 10th. Yeah, just in time for my birthday. How do you feel about that, Dana? I'm excited. That was my original guess for the launch, so the fact that that's like the official start of when we can actually get in there and raid is I'm pretty excited. I'm ready for it. Well, see, I'm going to be able to get in there for day one? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll go into normal day one and then we usually... As soon as we're done with normal, we jump right into heroic. So, and we raid three nights a week. So, we'll get there. I was, I mean, well, it'll be interesting to see how you guys, how the pace goes for you guys, just because I've, I've have not been here for this, for this kind of a, a pacing with you guys. I remember Wrath of the Lich King was the last time I was, I had to gear up and get ready. And it was a hassle to, it was tough to get ready before the first opening raid night. I think we ended up having to wait like three or four weeks, but this was before there were seasons and official dates. True. But that's not a problem. Uh, So the rest of the unlock schedule is November 17th, which is a week later, is Mythic Castle Nathrius. So for those people that are just too cool for school, you only got to wait one week for Mythic Nathria. And then the Raid Finder for Wing 1, and there are four wings. So November 17th, you get Raid Finder Wing 1, and then December 1 is Raid Finder Wing 2, the 15th of December is Raid Finder Wing 3, and then January 5th, you get Raid Finder Wing 4. As someone who will be doing the LFR thing, I look forward to that. And we know the PvP stuff, that starts on November 10th as well. And that will also include the new seasonal affects for mythic keystone dungeons. Oh boy, seasonal affects. affects. <laughs> uh, I will not be the canary in the coal mine this year for doing uh, mythic tens. I will let somebody else fall on that grenade and I will come in a little bit later when people have their stuff sorted out. Um, or you could just run with me and it won't, and it will be much more casual. <laughs> Because I'm I'm not about that life, yeah. So the we we will figure it out. But how about another interesting event? The next month, starting September first, which is a day ago, based on when we publish our podcast, the double rep is back. Yeah. For all Legion and let's see here. It says specifically it is reputation gains are up by 100% with Legion and all Battle for Azeroth factions, including the Old Accord and the Rajani. 
Which is pretty great because I'm pretty sure I'm still not completely exalted with them because I got tired of doing assaults. Yeah, I might do assaults on Dorn. Well, it, what's the, I wonder what the exalted reward is. Is it worth it? Or do you just get a camel or something stupid? I don't remember. There were a bunch of different things that you got that were actually relevant. Um, but I know like the... Um, you know how we got the the runes that you can farm in LFR that give you like a small stat buff or whatever. Yeah. Um, usually when you get exalted with one of the like end of content and expansion um, reps, there's usually like a infinity one where it's just like you just right click it like a toy or a trinket or something and it gives you the buff and it doesn't go away. It's not consumable. Oh, that is kind of neat. Well, either way. I'm going to keep doing my emissaries because 3000 a pop, that means definitely going to make a decent amount of money. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to have to do it on, I'm probably going to have to move in to do it on all my characters because I could probably make a ton of cashola. Yeah. Whew, this is going to be tough, but we're going to do it. We going to do it. So <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. You know. I know. We finally have some more news. I know. We finally have some news. We have stuff going on. Now, what we're going to do, folks, Dana and I previously recorded an episode where we talked about the Night Fae. We left the hippies till the end. And normally what we've been doing is public. And I'm sure you figured it out just by listening. We've been publishing the episodes kind of a a week later than we've been recording them. We're going to stop doing that now because now that the actual content is coming very soon, we want to be more timely. So what I'm going to do is transition us neatly into that expansion or that expansion discussion about the covenant. And then we'll be back next week after that covenant discussion to rank those covenants. And we got to decide where we're going. And then the next piece is talking about where we're going to take our tunes and we're going to make some spreadsheets (laughs) and we're going to, and we're going to hold ourselves to it a little bit. So we're going to put it in pencil and we'll put it in pencil. See how we go. Exactly. We'll put it in pencil and see how we go. So, everybody, thank you for listening so far. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it will be Stephen and Dana from the past. See you in a minute, everybody. EFG, LFG, PSD. My name is Steven Dutzman. I am your host, as always. And I'm joined once again by my very good friend of far too long, Dana Brown. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How are you? Doing all right. I want to just remind you before we get too far into the show, please don't bang on that brand new keyboard. It is loud and I don't want to have to edit all the clicky clickies out. (laughs) I will try my best. You're going to try your best, but you're excited because you did buy a brand new keyboard. I did. Because you're building, you texted me and you were like, hey, I bought the first part of my new rig. And I was expecting it to be like the graphics card or, you know, like, no, it's a keyboard. Yep, you know. it is the keyboard. Well, I mean, when a keyboard that you've had your eye on for the better part of like three or four months now goes $80 on sale. You're like, mm, I should probably take advantage of this. So that was the first thing I got. I mean, you were going to buy it eventually anyway. So exactly. I. I'm I'm making fun only because it's funny, not because it was bad. 
I, I would have done the exact same thing. So today we're going to talk all about the keyboard shenanigans in a moment. But today we're talking about the night thing. Yeah, we are. This is our last covenant before I think next week we're going to have to rank them is what we're going to have to do. Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about the hippies, those guys in Ardenweld. And I'm actually pretty excited because now that we've had some perspective, right, we've looked at all the different covenants. Now we get to the Night Fae and they have some really unique ones that I don't think we would have appreciated how weird they were had we done them first. You know what I mean? I agree with you there. So I am excited to talk about the hippie stuff. But first, let's talk about your keyboard. What kind of keyboard did you get? So I got a Razer Black Widow Elite. And this is my first mechanical keyboard ever. So I had rated on laptops for the better part of seven years now. And then before that, when I first played in WoW, I had like, you know, the the hella basic Dell computer that my parents bought me for college with this like 13 inch square monitor and like barely a graphics card. So it, this is like the first real good piece of gaming equipment that I've ever had. Welcome to a new addiction. Right? Because <laughs> you're never going to be able to go back now. Nope. It's, it's all RGB from here. <laughs> yeah, man. So I am playing on a Amazon Basics keyboard right now, and I will likely be joining you in the fancy mechanical keyboard club at some point in the next year or so. I've got my eye on a couple other pieces of technology that I need first. You know, I've got to go with function before form, but the I have a story to tell about World of Warcraft this week. Yes. I am very proud. I bought my very first WoW token with in-game gold. Yes. So I, the, the dream has come true. I paid for a month of my World of Warcraft game time by selling stuff inside the game. And I got to say, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Did you do it from your crafting yeah, it was a it was a combination of stuff, but mostly the stuff that I have been selling has been my crafting. Nice. And so it's been a lot of tailoring and some leather. Is it is it leatherworking? Leatherworking? Yeah, leatherworking. That's the name of the profession. And believe it or not, some of the engineering weapons, Uh-oh. like the weird okay. wrenches, I I made a bunch because I was just trying to level my mains engineering to try and get him up to the 175 Kulturin engineering. Mm-hmm. And I just threw him up on the auction house. I didn't expect him to sell. And I aver- and I actually averaged one every other day for nice. two or three thousand gold. So, Are they transmogable? Yeah, and so that's probably it. Yeah. But it seems like really expensive for a transmog, but it, it could be that that's just the cheapest way to get it. They're cool because they're, you know, they are wrench looking things, but they open and close and they have like a bunch of other moving parts. Oh. Actually, really cool. I definitely made sure to equip one myself to make sure that I grabbed the and then disenchanted it to make sure that I had the appearance. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's probably people grabbing it because they think it's cool and they want it for the transmog or needing it for an alt or, you know, something like that. But, yeah, it's been a bit of a wild ride. 
I, you know, another thing that I end up making a decent amount on is selling the tier one belts and bracers that come out of Molten Core. So I run Molten Core every week. Okay. And I run it on three characters. So I end up coming out with a lot. Now it takes a while for them to sell, but I'm not very picky with how much I sell them for. Right. You know, do I, you know, usually I get like 50 gold to a hundred gold a piece, but you get a lot of them when you clear molten core on three characters every week. So I just make them go. You know, I just make them go, which is pretty fun. Yeah. So that has, so I'm living the dream. I have not made a single sale since yesterday, though. <laughs> so that's been a interesting experience. It's it's a it's a cool Skinner box, really. Like now, I have my band call, and she's all set up and has a bunch of stuff flipping through auction house all the time. And now it's like every chance I get, I swap over and log into her to see if I sold anything, <laughs> and it's a nice dopamine hit. Oh, when yeah. you hop in and they're like, hey, check out this 15,000 gold worth of stuff that you sold to people. Yeah. And I, I'm working on being able to make bigger ticket items. Like I can make the, the Sky Golem now. So oh, that's nice. going to be a – that will be a thing that I make basically once a month because everything's tied to a global cooldown. True. Or not a global cooldown, like a daily cooldown. So like once a month I can make one of those – suckers so yeah it's been a it, it, it has been an exciting couple of days because i just really didn't want to pay for a while this month and guess what i ain't gotta so I that's really just... funny that you finally got a wow token to pay for yours and i actually just had to pay for wow for the first time in like six years and or however long the the tokens have been out because i finally didn't because i haven't done anything wow like gold mining at all in game and i finally hit like the low point in my gold accumulation where i'm just like i don't have enough for the token well guess i'm gonna have to pay for it Yeah, I just kind of—I guess I just kind of stole your groove. So uh, sorry about that. But I will gladly show you some of my methods when we yeah. move into the expansion, and maybe we can team up a little bit. Because I know you have alts. I could definitely use your monthly cool, your daily cooldowns, and we could we could team up. So anyway, all shenanigans aside, again, we're talking about the Night Fae today. So let's just get right into it. So four covenants. This is the last one. The Night Fae are in let's see here where are they what's their world again Ardenweald? it's called Arden Ardenweald which is a dark death version of the Emerald Dream yep I have a feeling and this is just my prediction just based on our studies here this zone is going to be messed up the you story, mean like lore wise yes this is going to be the creepier thing that's going on that's my opinion. I think there's going to be some really creepy stuff going on here. Like Mount Draxus, you know, whatever. We've seen zombies. It's mm-hmm. not abnormal. It's not going to freak nobody out. But I really think that the afterlife of the hippies is going to just be full of all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mine is this and Bastion with the Kyrian. For some reason, the... The sunshine and rainbows and light doesn't, it feels like a facade to me. I feel like there's some lore there too. Yeah. So these guys 
according to the lore information that's available and been published, obviously we don't know everything, but some stuff has been coming out because of the test realms and other information that Blizzard has revealed. We know that Ardenweald serves a similar purpose to Bastion. The difference is Bastion is for people and warriors, etc. Whereas Ardenweald is for animals and spirits of nature, and I'm guessing elementals? Yeah. So, we all remember, well, anyone who played during the time remember Cenarius came back during the Cataclysm. It was Ardenweald that helped make that happen. So, we're going to see some crazy stuff, and I am curious what dead nature spirits and elementals we are going to be messing with in this zone. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So, I guess the first thing to start talking about is their Covenant signature ability. So, Dana, what is their ability and how does it work? So, their signature ability is actually one that I'm kind of excited about. It's called Soul Shape. So, you basically get to turn into a creature, an animal of some kind, and you teleport 15 yards forward and increase your movement speed by 50%. You can reactivate it every few seconds and teleport again. It lasts for about 12 seconds or indefinitely if you're in a rest area. And it's got a one and a half minute cooldown, but it's instant cast. And some of these forms that you get to take are pretty cool. Well, it starts as a Vulpine. That's like what you get when you get the ability. But but the fact that they have other forms that you can earn through quests, reputations, as boss drops, I'm sure there's going to be an achievement for having all of them. Oh, probably a title and they're going to be all over the place. I'll just read off the list. So here we go. Some of the other forms that you can take are bear, cobra, crane, dragon turtle, feathered drake, which I, I don't know if I've ever seen one, but I'm sure I have. I just didn't know I did. A griffin, a hippogriff, hyenas, lions, a moose, which is my personal favorite, mm-hmm. FYI. The moth, a night saber, the owl cat, raptors, rune stags, stags, terror claws, tigers, unicorns, wolves, wolves, hawks, and wyverns. Okay, so all of those forms sound awesome and they're going to be all over the place. Dana, which one of those are you chasing first? I'm totally chasing the night saber first because that just feels like a really badass soul shape form. But you know that everybody's going to go for the unicorn because unicorns yeah the unicorn does sound kind of cool i i I agree with you i think that one's going to be pretty popular i think it really obviously depends on the models but for me i want to be a moose i just think that's funny and these are currently known we are i am certain there's going to be some bonkers stuff oh i'm sure and i'm sure they'll add more as the expansion goes on so that's pretty cool the the real key that is awesome about this is this is not just a travel form for people that don't have a travel form because i know a lot of folks you read youtube comments and stuff like that a lot of folks were disappointed because they're like oh well i mean if i wanted a travel form i could just be a shaman or a druid something like that this does have some additional functionality because number one you get a teleport at the end of it mm-hmm. the other piece and this will get into it with the soul binds is some of the soul bind 
powers that you can get through some of those characters, at least one of them, you can kind of use that ability in different ways. One of them, it actually turns it into a charge, like a yep. warrior charge. So that is awesome to me. I can't wait to see that kind of visually. Yeah. And man, there are plenty of times where I would want more movement and be able to be in combat to do it. Yeah. Like, that sure. sounds awesome to me. So yeah, we'll see. I'm still not changing from Kyrian, but I'm excited about this to begin with. So, okay. So that's the, everybody gets an ability. We're going to be seeing all sorts of people with those powers. Now we can talk about the individual covenant abilities per class. So I will start. Okay. We're going to go in alphabetical order as we usually do. So for death knights. Okay. So death knights, they get this ability called death's due. Right. So it corrupts the targeted ground, causing shadow damage over 10 seconds to targets within that area. Any enemies within that area deal 1% reduced damage to you up to a maximum of 15%. And that power is transferred to you in an equal amount of strength. So when you're in that area, your necrotic strike and heart strike will hit additional targets and scourge strike will hit up to four enemies near the target. So basically you put down this ability, you deal, you take less damage from them, which is great if you're tanking. This is obviously useful for DPS as well. But what's cool about this is obviously if you're doing DPS, and the tank is worth their salt, the damage reduction from them wouldn't necessarily be super useful. But in this case, you're stealing it from them, but you still get you get strength from this. So you actually will hit more, etc. I dig that a lot. I think that is a very cool ability. And again, Death Knights, they love some AoE damage situations. So this will be pretty cool to watch. It costs uh, one rune. It is instant cast and has a 30-yard range. So that's, you know, you can throw that onto a crowd ahead of you and run up on them. I think this is going to be a pretty fun ability to watch. It's still me, though, because now we're going to talk about Demon Hunters. So they get an ability called The Hunt. You charge to an enemy, inflicting 250% of attack power, nature damage, and rooting them in place for three seconds. The target is marked for one minute, increasing your fury from either Demon Bites if you're Havoc spec or Shears if you're in Vengeance spec against them by 50%. And you can reactivate the hunt every 30 seconds to teleport behind them, ignoring line of sight. That is going to be awesome for just keeping you on a boss that moves around a lot or in PvP. There's obviously your opponents are going to be moving all over the place. Being able to just kind of, I'm going to pop behind you ignoring line of sight which means if i've marked you and you go around a building i can pop this and boom i just appear behind you that is ridiculous ridiculous yeah. and it has a 50 in pvp yeah i can't wait to watch some high level pvp players these demon hunters are going to be doing some crazy stuff okay your turn druids are up next all right so druids get what is it convoke the spirits uh, yes. call, 
call upon the Night Fae for an eruption of energy, channeling a rapid flurry of 16 druid spells and abilities over four seconds. That is ridiculous. Uh, you will cast Star Surge and Star Fall if you're in balance. And if you're Feral, Guardian, or Resto, you will cast Wild Growth and Swift Men. So this is like a super quick either AoE damage or AoE heal. So Feral, Guardian, and Resto specs get Wild Growth, Swift Mend, Moonfire, Wrath, Regrowth, Rejuve, Break and Thrash on appropriate nearby targets, favoring your shapeshift form. So if you're Feral, you'll probably favor more towards like Rake and Thrash. Um, and if you're Resto, you'll favor more like Wild Growth and Swift Mend. But it is like a ridiculous amount of casted, casted spells over four seconds. Yes, this is a really cool cooldown. I can't wait yeah. to see like this happen. Yeah, this is like the hero. You do a bunch of stuff, and then as soon as hero's done, you pop this thing, and you just get to keep going with your crazy damage stuff. So I dig that. I can't wait to see what that looks like. Yeah, and kind of experience firsthand from a really skilled druid. And considering you have a really skilled druid at your disposal, I suspect. But I will see it sooner rather than later. Unless he's not going to be night. Is he going to be? Is he going to be night fae? You know, I, don't know. The- I would assume so, but I haven't asked him yet. I will ask him. Yeah, go ask him. I'm curious. This is great radio. Right room. Yeah, literally, just yell. <laughs> is he not behind? Is he not in the room? No, he's not. <laughs> oh, never mind. What a bum. Okay, yeah. we'll find out for next week. What yeah. is? the the mystery man going to be <laughs> becoming so i'm sure he has crunched numbers oh i'm sure i'm sure he has a spreadsheet just like you do probably all right hunters i'm gonna go with hunters they get an ability called wild spirits you evoke the energy of wild spirits at the target location applying a wild mark to all enemy targets within the area for 15 seconds increasing damage you deal to them by five percent while these wild spirits are active, any damaging ability you use against a target affected by the wild mark strikes the target for some amount of attack power and nature damage. Less than half, it looks like. And it is an instant shot or it is an instant ability with a 100 yard range. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, This is 100% just going to find its way into the shot rotation for every hunter that takes this. And I suspect there will be a fair number of them. I do like the fact that some of these dippy-dippy powers do nature damage. I was worried that all of them were going to be, that this was going to be like a super shadow damage focused expansion. Thank goodness there's some nature damage. I don't know. I just, it just means something to me. We're, we're a little tired of uh, corruption and shadow damage and <laughs> sanity. Let me tell you something. All right. So next is mages. And you know all about those. I do. So mages get shifting power. So you draw power from the ground beneath, dealing some amount of spell power and nature damage over six seconds to enemies within 15 yards. And while channeling, your mage ability cooldowns are reduced by some amount of seconds every 1.5 seconds. So this feels kind of like a damage dealing evocation to me. Okay. But in a cooldown reset instead of mana. Okay. I mean, interesting. Like, you get mana back, or not mana back, I'm sorry. You get your cooldowns back, and you do a whole bunch of damage. 
Yes. I think – and so what's the cooldown? It's a 45-second cooldown. Yes. So the idea would be you burn all your stuff, do the thing, and then you fire off this ability – and it does some damage, but then it reduces your cooldown so that you can just go through all of your cooldowns again. Right. That's kind of Sounds cool. awesome. Yeah. It sounds great to me. That There's definitely incentive to use this power regularly, but yeah. it also becomes a mage who is part of the Night Fae is going to play fundamentally different than everybody else because, you know, your two-minute cooldowns will probably be, you know, minute and a half cooldowns right. or something like that because of this, which means, you know, if you're playing, I, I'm just thinking if you're arcane spec, right? Being able to use arcane power more and, you know, it just, this is going to be pretty fun. I can't wait to see how this all plays out. And little stuff too, like it's going to pull, like if you're fire spec, it'll pull pyro, pyroblast off of cooldown, which is subtle but you know having an extra one doesn't hurt anybody right i mean it, it means you're guaranteed to get that one back so that's in, that'll be interesting next is monks which i am so excited for this power just because i want to see how it works to the point where i might put my monk in here just because i want that power okay so monks Get a feline stomp. Strike the ground fiercely to expose a feline for 30 seconds, dealing some amount of nature damage. And then, depending on your spec, it will either ignite the enemies with Breath of Fire, if you're a brewmaster, heal allies with Essence Font Bolt, if you're a Mistweaver, or ripping chi and energy spheres out of enemies, which sounds morbid. Fury Windwalker. And your abilities have a 6% chance of resetting the cooldowns of Feyline Stomp while fighting on a Feyline. This is a 30-yard range instant cast with a 30-second cooldown. So this is going straight into the rotation, and I want to see this too. (laughs) They are – this is one of those things where their entire rotation is going to be built around trying to make sure that once it's up, it's always up. Mm-hmm. You know, some theory, some super smart theory crafter is going to figure out the optimal rotation to maximize ley line up up time or whatever. Yep. And it's going to be very interesting to watch, you know, icy veins or whatever, really like talk about that and crunch the numbers. I don't know how long it takes for them to write guides, but their guide writers have got to be working on the test realms right now, trying to figure it out. So it'll be very interesting to see how that works out, but I can't wait to see it because it sounds like it's going to look pretty cool. Yeah. And so I'm probably going to have to put my monk in my monk in here just because I'm curious about that ability. Although it could also just suck real bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do we know? We're just yeah, what do we know? We're, listen, I, well, I'm the, I'm the filthy casual. You're the progression raider. Remember, True. you make me look bad. So I'm just kidding. You really don't. But so paladins, as soon as I read this. I was like, boy, am I glad Kyrian is great. Yeah. Because I am very confused. Well, I'm not really confused by it. I just know for a fact that I would not be able to do it. So here's what it is. Okay. They get this ability called Blessing of Seasons. And it is both multiple abilities and one ability. Overwhelmed yet? (laughs) Give it a second. So what happens is you – 
paladins, one of their core abilities are their blessings. That's normal and has been that way since the very, very beginning. This gives you a set of four blessings that are tied to kind of one cooldown. And the way it works is like this. You start, and every time you cast it, it has a 45-second cooldown. And every time you cast it, it switches to a different season. So you progress through the seasons of the year, spring, summer, autumn, winter, etc. Right? So first, you cast Blessing of Spring. So you bless an ally for 30 seconds, increasing their healing done and healing received by 10%, and healing received by 20%. So my guess is that it is healing done by 10 and healing received by 20. Yeah. And that's for 30 seconds. That's great. You throw that on a tank at the beginning of an encounter. Wonderful. And then the last, the latter text is blessing of the seasons turns to summer after you use it. So you use spring, then it turns to summer. So after 45 seconds, you cast blessing of summer. You bless an ally for 30 seconds, causing their attacks to have a 40% chance to deal 30% additional damage as holy. Blessing of Seasons then turns to Autumn after use. So every 45 seconds, you're casting a new Blessing, but it's a different one. The first one you put on a tank or maybe on yourself if you're trying to heal multiple people. Blessing of Autumn, you bless an ally for 30 seconds, causing their cooldowns to recover 50% faster. So a minute and a half into the fight. Now, this is what I do kind of like about it. A minute and a half into the fight, someone will have blown a cooldown. So maybe I throw that on the tank. Maybe if I'm with a protection paladin who's very cooldown dependent, I can do all that. And then lastly, and then when you're done with that, it turns to Blessing of Winter. And then Blessing of Winter, you bless an ally for 30 seconds. Their attacks deal frost damage and reduce enemies movement speed by 3% and attack speed by 1% stacking up to 10 times and then it turns to spring after it's used and then you literally every 45 seconds you do a different blessing but you can't just cast them on the same person you need to have a plan okay first I cast on me then I cast on the tank then I cast on the mage because I know they have burned through all their cooldowns by now to try and maximize their DPS and then I put this on the rogue or something and then you just one two three four and then you have to rotate for me this is just one more thing that i have to pay attention to and i'm sure there will be some weak auras that will help i'm sure someone is already creating it and for those of you don't know weak auras is a user add-on that essentially gives you more Information. It basically just gives you more indicators and yells at you to shut up and do stuff. <laughs> it's my shut up and do stuff mod. Yep. So I, I'm sure there will be a blessing of seasons, week aura. This could end up being super awesome. I'm never going to use it because nope. I would never do it right. <laughs> no, it's just there's too much to watch as a paladin to begin with. I feel like this would kind of sensory overload me. In game, I absolutely know that it would sensory overload me, but that's okay. <laughs> this is cool. I'm sure it has some neat visual effects, and I'm sure it's actually going to be powerful. I don't doubt that. Probably. I just, I just know that I could not. It would be a waste for me. I wouldn't be able to actually do it. Fair. So next is priest. Yeah, that's me. And that's you. All right. So priests get fey guardians. Calls forth three fairy guardians to attend your targets for twenty seconds. The Wrathful Fairy direct attacks against the target and restores mana, or insanity, depending on what spec you are, follows your Shadow Word Pain. 
Guardian Fairy reduces damage taken by 10% and follows your Power Word Shield. Mm-hmm. And Benevolent Fairy increases the cooldown recovery rate of a major ability by 100%. Follows your Holy Flash Heal. Oh, if you're Holy, it follows your Flash Heal. If you're Discipline or Shadow, it follows your Shadow Mend. So it's basically... You kind of, like, have to preface this one. Like, you have to set it up to be like, hey, this target is going to get Shadow Word Pain, and then I'm going to blow Fairy uh, Fae Guardian so that the Wrathful Fairy will actually direct attacks to restore mana or insanity. So it's not, like, you have to almost, like, preemptively plan for this one by putting out spells before you hit it. That is true. Unless you're a Shadow Mage, at which point it kind of works out because you Power Word Shield yourself and you are probably Shadow, you know what I mean? Like you're you're using all the abilities on the same target, so yeah. it works out for them. But you absolutely can Power Word Shield somebody. You probably have a Shadow Word Pain that you throw on the, on the boss or mm-hmm. whatever. And so I think this is one of those, it does require prep, but I have a feeling most priests already do this prep. It's been 15 years since I have played a priest. However, when I was, when I played Braungard back in black, back in Blackwing Lair, Braungard being my literally level 59 dwarf priest. I think this was before you were with us where they dragged me in and I learned how much experience Nefarian was worth. By the way, he's not worth a lot. (laughs) And in case you were curious, because we needed the fear ward. That was back when that was a thing. And I remember that that was how every fight started. You threw up the shadow word pain. You threw the power word shield on somebody. So it feels like... You, you have to prepare, but it feels like you're already doing that preparation anyway. So I feel like this is just kind of a bonus. Like you pop this ability a minute and five. The real trick is you have to make sure that you have them up. So this really does force you to use all your abilities that you probably were using anyway, right? Like in a mythic dungeon. That's fair. You're probably doing all these, I would assume. I don't yeah. have a huge amount of experience, but I'm presuming that they would want you maximizing your damage uptime, etc. So this is another one where I bet you the visual is pretty cool. And priests are just some of their stuff just looks awesome. That's true. Uh, I'm going to talk about rogues now, though. I love this ability. So it's called sepsis, which is gross, but rogues aren't exactly feel good classes. OK, so you infect the target's blood dealing more than 100% of your attack power, nature damage, over 10 seconds. If the target survives the full duration, they suffer an additional around 10% of attack damage, um, and you vanish. That is so cool. And the cooldown is reduced by 60 seconds if it doesn't last its full duration. So this is a minute and a half cooldown. So... Something good happens no matter what. Either you kill them, at which point you get to do it again in, at this point, 20 seconds. Because, you know, 10 seconds of the minute and a half cooldown has already gone by. Yep. Or you vanish, which then puts you in stealth, which means you then get to use all sorts of other chicanery this is so cool (laughs) 
again, you're going to be building up a lot of plans on how to use this. But this is, of the ones we have read so far, this is the most set it and forget it of the abilities. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to stab you <laughs> real quick. And you're either going to die or I'm going to get something cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the you're if you're using this on a boss, right, which, again – I, I talk about this like in Mythic Plus, right? You're going to hit a boss and you're probably going to vanish, which is then going to help you set up more combos and do more cool stuff, right? Because you're likely going to go through two or three cycles of this on a boss. But like in a Mythic Dungeon where you're doing trash or world questing where, you know, the you kill it and then it resets the timers. This is pretty cool. This is a really neat ability. I think this is well-designed. It does something for people doing high-end content. It does stuff, obviously, in PvP. And so I really dig this one a lot. This yeah, might be pretty, my favorite. That's a pretty cool rogue ability. Yeah, this might be my favorite of the Fey ability so far, just because of how neatly designed it is, mm-hmm. because it does something for everyone without being super complicated. And also, it's gross. <laughs> Sepsis. All, All right. right. Next, Next is shamans. Yeah, I'm a shamans. All right, so shamans get fey transfusion. So it transfers the life force of up to four enemies in the targeted area, mm-hmm. dealing some amount of nature damage to each enemy over three seconds. Pressing the fey transfusion again within 20 seconds will release 15% of all damage from the transfusion and heal up to eight allies near the shaman. So this feels like another cloudburst totem to me. Okay. Where it's basically like for the cloudburst, you throw it down, you do a bunch of healing, and it battery fuels up the totem, and then it explodes or expires and flush heals the group. So this feels kind of similar, but it's taking damage and causing healing. I mean, that sounds cool to me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I don't know that any DPS shamans would take this, though. Okay. Like, I could see Resto Shamans taking this because it's extra healing. Okay. Hmm. That part, I don't know. I don't know. This will be... I don't know. This is one of... Again, we're running into some of those that we're just going to have to find out. Yeah. Just going to have to find out. And honestly, none of these are final. This could all change. Oh, so, for sure. In fact, this all probably will change. <laughs> probably. So, next is Warlocks. So, you're up again. Yes. And with a name like Soul Rot and with the rogues having sepsis, I feel like our initial thought of like, this is not all, not all as it seems feels very appropriate. So warlocks get Soul Rot, wither away all life force of your current target and up to three additional targets nearby, causing them to suffer nature damage over eight seconds. For the next eight seconds, casting Drain Life will cause you to also drain life from an enemy affected by Soul Rot, and Drain Life will not consume any mana. Consumes 20% of the maximum health when cast. Interesting. That sounds cool. It's only on a a minute cooldown. What? Again, this just kind of reinforces what we talked about. These abilities across all four of the Covenants are presenting powers that really fundamentally change the way that the different classes function and perform. And that's pretty cool. Well, the good news is you can change. So you can't people can respec as they find thing, you know, as they find that they don't like what they have. Yeah. And you certainly get a trial run 
as you go through. But a sepsis rogue, for example, will definitely play differently than a rogue that has a whole different opener. I forget which one it's from. The yeah, I think Venthyr has like a whole opener that's just that they just do completely different stuff, which is awesome. And I can't wait to see all the different variety. I mean, this is to the point where you can have four rogues and have them play completely different. Yep. I'm not saying I'm advocating for that because this is the expansion is going to be for a while, but this is going to be fun to watch develop and and move. Speaking of let's close up the abilities and talk about warriors which will close it up here. They get an ability called Ancient Aftershock. You unleash a wave of anima, dealing what appears to be a little bit more than double your attack power, nature damage, to up to five enemies and knocking them down for one and a half seconds. Enemies struck take some amount of, looks like less than half of the attack power, nature damage, every two seconds for 12 seconds and transferred to you as six rage. This is on a minute and a half cooldown instant. This is awesome. Warriors definitely need AoE. That's something that they've had right now because of a combination of essences, Azerite traits, etc., where protection warriors specifically have just been these absolute beasts in AoE situations. And this gives that back to them. And that's a decent amount of damage, and it's a pretty cool knockdown. So I give this one... A very nerdy thumbs up. Also, <laughs> but this is I, not where your warrior is going. No, yeah, no, I give it a thumbs up because I think it's cool. No, my warrior is definitely gonna be a zombie, yeah. whatever they are. I think I'm gonna put my rogue in here just because sepsis is so gross. Yeah. But I have to actually make a rogue. I don't actually have one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a level 21 rogue. Well, the reality is my YouTube series, which by the way, those of you listening, I do have my live stream every Thursday and it's up on the Engage Family Gaming YouTube channel. And so once I level the warrior up, I'm going to stop streaming him. I don't want the added pressure of streaming dungeons and stuff. So then I'll just switch and do a rogue next. In fact, I have a rogue chilling in Duskwood at level 20 because obviously it's a Kul'Tiran <laughs> and they are just earning that re- that sweet, sweet rest XP. So when I do get out of there, it's going to be absolutely nuts. That first night, I'll probably gain like 13 levels or something stupid like that. So let's talk. So we, we went right into the into the powers because I think that's some of the meteor stuff. But one thing we found out about last week is that different covenants have different powers in different dungeons. Yeah. So it's not just about the, the abilities. There are certain dungeons that really favor one covenant over the other one. Dana, why don't you fill us in on how that works? So basically, if you do a dungeon in the corresponding zone of your covenant, you basically get an extra ability. Um, so like we talked about last week with the Necrolords, there's what the banners that will give you like buffs and abilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. With the Night Fae, there's two dungeons in Ardenweald. And basically, it's either you go and take some mushrooms or you go find some weird urns. But both of them give you buff stats, I think. And you also get an ability to open a new route, which is skipping trash packs. It's going to be huge in Mythic Plus. Yeah, you're right. To be specific... 
in so the mists of Tirnaseeth is the name of one of the dungeons. So we're gonna they're probably gonna call that MTS. Yep. I, I predict. Because or, it's a safe Or MOTS, yeah. One of the two. Mots. Ah. Let's do Mots. So in Mots, you can open a new route and get a 10% stat buff for your party in the form of these mushrooms. And what's cool about it is there are five of each kind of mushroom. So there's savory mushrooms that you instantly heal 100% of your health and, get, and increase your strength, agility, and intellect by 10%. Or the Tasty Tough Shroom, which heals you 100% and increases your stamina by 10%. And there's five of each. So in a five-man mythic, obviously everyone will get to choose whatever they want. There's no competition. There's no decision to make. You just get one of them, but you get whichever one you want. I think that was a really cool design decision. I feel like they only had five total and it was like random when they first designed it. And they just had too many feel-bad moments where maybe it was set up so that it it randomly rolled and it was you know three staminas and one damage and it just yeah. added too much variance so it feels the like he, that's the healer gets the stamina <laughs> yeah exactly it's that kind of thing where it's like oh now admittedly you know depending on how the run's going or depending on the affixes and i think that's the other key is depending on the affixes i think it's yeah. entirely possible that the stamina one might be the right call right you know, there's plenty of depending on what the affixes are for a given week. So the fact that they made them have five of each mushroom, I think, is super cool, super fun. It's more friendly design because you can theory craft your own routes, your own decision. Now, the other thing is you get checkpoints in that dungeon, which means if you die after you pass certain thresholds, if you have a Night Fae member, it opens up so that you, you don't have to start off at the beginning anymore. You can start at these new checkpoints. In a run that was going to succeed, you probably aren't wiping anyway. Yeah. However, for those of you learning it or just trying for completion as opposed to pushing the key, which I've been on plenty of those runs partially because they probably didn't think they could key with me on it. But I've been on those runs, and that is extra convenient. So I'm a big fan of that. And then in the next one, it's the other side, which is Bwansamdi, which is insane to me. (laughs) And so, yeah, this thing is so freaking cool. The, The haunted urns. Dana, how crazy is this, right? So there's random haunted urns because this is literally in the afterlife, like in the afterlife, but like the actual afterlife. This is banana stuff. And so there's haunted urns. They appear to be in set locations, but we're obviously going to learn more about that as millions of people start running the dungeon. And you click on an urn and it stuns enemies within 30 yards for 10 seconds. So depending on where you're at, this is like an absolutely bonkers way to impede a pack or help you deal with some difficult trash. I mean, stunning a whole pack seems pretty awesome. I hope that these are in standard locations where it's like, yep, we go to this pack, we bring this boss, maybe we bring, you know, we drag this group over here, we use the urn, whatever. I hope they have it standardized and it's not just random because I like not random mechanics. Level (laughs) design is fun. You and a million other people. Torgas is for the random. 
Torghast is for the random. Can't wait to talk more about Torghast probably next week or maybe the week after because next week we got to rank the covenants. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. I think this is fun. We're going to have to next week. We'll, we'll go over all these abilities kind of in review and talk about the abilities for the Kirin and Venthyr. the Venthyr because they didn't exist when we did those <laughs> episodes. So how about the the transmogs and the mount and and the back blings for these? I am a pretty big fan of I their am too. stuff. Ugh, I am too. This is probably one of my favorite transmog sets. Yes. Which one though? Um, let me look. So I, I'm super weird and I really kind of like the moth to the flame backpack thing that they've got going on. Oh, did, did you see, by the way, that one of them is like critters that climb around on your back? Yeah. I am so awesome. stoked for that. I am. <laughs> I think that is so cool. What interesting design space. Yeah. Because I hate the cloak models in this game and also no capes. I mean, yeah. in, okay. Incredibles taught us no capes. <laughs> so having other alternatives just sounds so cool to me. Yeah. And these are really awesome designs. Oh, yeah. Even the the armor, the the transmogable gear, like the cloth feels very dag meets moth almost because of like the shoulders versus the helm. So it's it's very creature-esque. And then the leather is very like branches. And there's a lot of twigs and branch work that goes into a lot of the gear. And then don't even get me started on the male armor. Like, what are all of these horns everywhere? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everything looks like it's made out of wood, even the plate. So, yeah. I, I mean, you literally look like Groot. And who doesn't want to look like Groot? Uh, right. Who I mean, want, who doesn't want to look like Groot? Exactly. So. And the back blings are pretty awesome. One of them is just like these neat coiling vines. And yeah, we, we talked about that. The critters climbing on your back. And one of them is just a cool little leafy backpack. Yep. It looks like a small uh, sled sitting on your back. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, it might actually be that. <laughs> we'll find out when we see the actual name of the item. The mount is a really wicked, cool moose looking thing. Oh, my God. I want the mount so bad. This is like I have to put somebody in Night Fae. I don't care who, but I need that mount. I need it in my life. So mounts are usually account bound, but my guess is you're not going to be able to use the mount no. on other characters unless you're in that covenant, right? Right. So it's going to be like the magic carpet. You have to be tailoring to be able to drop, to to fly it, but uh, I need it. It's so pretty. It is really cool looking. And what's really interesting about it is we know that we're going to be able to upgrade them visually, etc. Yeah. I am very interested to see how they could make this thing look cooler. It's not quite the battle cat thing from the Kieran, but this is really pretty and really fun looking. And some people might say it's a little over designed because it's got like really loopy horns and stuff like that. I don't necessarily feel that way, but it is a lot of fun to look at and I'm sure it's animation is going to be gorgeous, et cetera. Oh yeah. And look at that tiny little pet. Is oh, that, my goodness. Is it a wolf? Or is uh, it I don't, a fox? It's probably a fox, because usually wolves have been big. True. 
It's super cute, though. I need it in my life. Yeah, I mean, it is super cute. It is super cute. All right, so let's talk about the soul binds. And let's just kind of wrap this one up. So the soul binds. There are three of them. So you get Nia and Corrine. Is it Corrine, you think? Corrine? I think it's Corrine. And Dreamweaver. So Nia... Nia is a Silvar who is tasked with guarding and caring for the wild seeds in her grove, whom you met in a time of tragedy, as her grove was left to wither so that its anima could be reclaimed. As she journeyed with you, <laughs> Nia learned the hard truths of survival amidst the drought. An expert hunter and tracker, her skills will aid resolving the drought and the other threats to Ardenweld. You and I got the feeling while reading through these together. That she feels these all three of these feel like they serve. I don't feel like these guys are as defined and as distinct as some of the other soul binds. I agree. In other ones, there's like this is the tanky one, period, full stop. And this is the one that healers would take, full stop. They're all different, but they all serve kind of similar purposes. Yeah. And so just looking at their at the top and bottom of their tiers, right? So for Naya, she has you can choose either run without tiring. So while you're in soul shape, you regenerate five percent of your maximum health every three seconds. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And Stay on the move, Soul Shape's cooldown is reduced by 15 seconds, and defeating an enemy reduces Soul Shape's cooldown by one second. So basically you can use that to just whip around the battlefield. That'll be great for questing, world quests. Uh, Obviously it'll be great for flying around Mythic Plus. And her ultimate is called Grove Invigoration. So apparently it'll get approximately two and a half procs a minute. Healing or dealing damage has a chance to grant you a stack of redirected anima, up to 10 stacks. Activating your Night Fae class ability grants you 1% maximum health and 2% increased mastery per stack for 30 seconds. So she kind of turn she like i said before she changes your class ability into the ability to do more stuff which is kind of neat tell me about dreamweaver all right so dreamweaver's first ability is called field of blossoms activating your night fake class ability puts flowers at your feet for 15 seconds that increases your haste by five percent while you stand in them so this would really be an interesting paradox with the death knight ability because it would be like death and decay with flowers (laughs) (laughs) that is true it would give them a lot of haste which would be kind of great um and the flowers can only bloom once every one minute so it's got a little bit of a cooldown but interesting you get a little haste boost there and then uh the ultimate for dreamweaver is called pod tender so when you would take damage that would kill you, instead you rejuvenate with a, within a wild seed, regaining 30% of your hit points over 10 seconds. If the wild seed takes more than 100,000, 100, 10,000 damage, during this time you'll die. So this effect can only occur once every 30 minutes. So this basically feels to me like reincarn for me as a shaman or like a B-res almost, but it's got like downtime like it has to survive for 10 seconds 
Yeah, it's got a restriction. I, I think thinking back on my last handful of deaths <laughs> in Mythic Plus Dungeons, etc., I can definitely think of a few situations where I kind of died outside of combat or I died to a random mob that charged or, you know, I missed a debuff or whatever. And I could 100% just chill for 10 seconds, right? And then come back ready ready for action. And the team would just have to blow some cooldowns to live long enough for me to go. So I, I absolutely think this works perfectly for healers that are doing you know mythic plus or even raids right yep. i mean you you can think of as a healer more oh, than yeah. a few encounters where there are certain just mechanics that will kill you and it's not like you are very likely to have that damage repeat itself on your cocoon or whatever right and so i i think this is definitely a strong option you know if you're a healer that takes this power or takes this path like maybe that priest or what have you i definitely think this is going to be the soul bind you live with the most Mm -hmm. just because that ability to kind of pop back up is that's pretty good it's pretty good but the second to last ability for them you and i were talking about this earlier is the one where every hour you spend in a rest area gives you increased gold for your next world quest that stacks up to five times. Like, that is the one that we are going to be like, all right, charge this bad boy up and let's go get some gold. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much those five stacks, like, does it double it? Does it, you know, what is a max stack world quest going to look like gold-wise? Yeah. My hope... So, like, right now, using relevant relative terms, right now, a decent world quest is probably you know in the neighborhood of 200 gold yeah so it would be awesome if you can't you could pop up on a day and just go do that one world quest and if it you know maybe tripled it you know maybe made it so that that one world quest was 500 gold i would a hundred percent do that every day and so and even better if it turns out if that world quest is a world boss because the world bosses are, you know, right now they're like 300 gold mm-hmm. a piece. And they're my favorite thing. I love going to fight those world bosses because they actually have that old school vanilla World of Warcraft flavor to them because it's mm-hmm. just you know, like freaking 50 people beating on them. <laughs> and also as a result of that, they're a little easier. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I would be like, hey, my rogue is just a ninja assassin. All she does is once a day come out of hiding, go kill one very specific dude, and then go back home. Yep. And that sounds great to me. And probably come out to do some alchemy stuff because I need cooldowns. Like <laughs> the world's right? weirdest mercenary. I mean, listen, she's just like that specific dude needs to die. <laughs> so I think that is super neat. And yeah, so let's talk about Karain. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. It's probably it might be Karain, but it's K A O K O R 
A-Y-N. And Crane, looking at the top, you get a choice. Either Horn of the Wild Hunt, Soul Shape increases the movement speed of allies within 40 yards by 10%, or Wild Hunt's charge while out of combat, your Soul Shape's teleport becomes a charge, stunning your target for five seconds and ending your Soul Shape. So let me scroll up just because I want to see the math on this. So the baseline is you turn into a Vulpin, increasing your movement speed by 50%. And so it lasts 12 seconds. So if you have it specced so that you have the horn, you do improve the speed of your allies by 10% so they can kind of keep up with you. I think that's kind of neat. I think it'll be interesting to do the math on movement to see how that works, whether or not that's good enough. And the ultimate for this guy's final moments, your healing and damage to targets below 35% is increased by 3%. And when an ally dies, this benefit is increased to 15% for 30 seconds. This can only occur every five minutes. Honestly, that's cool. I mean, this is one of those, you know, your executes are going to be a little bit bigger and it's going to be awesome for my assassin rogue. Oh, although my assassin rogue can't have this one and the other one. So, man, I guess so. We'll just have to figure it out. But so... I think these these are really good soul binds. People are going to have some really cool, meaningful decisions, and this is going to give them a lot of cool powers. I like how one of his abilities is your weapons take no durability damage. Mm-hmm. So for a raider, right, or for someone that does Mythic Plus or something like that, that counts as earning money because money that you don't have to spend on repairs is this pretty much the same as as money that you earned. Yeah. So quietly, this is – don't mind my kids laughing behind me. I think they're watching the YouTubes. I think that's quietly another kind of money-making power and one that I think is not to be overlooked. So that's net the night fair. Honestly. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's a net gain. You are going to spend less on repairs every raid night, which means you get to keep more of your money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I dig it. I didn't even realize that there were items where one of their powers was, like, indestructible until very recently. And I was like, ooh. Oh, the, like, cool. tertiary stats or whatever? Yeah. Like, whenever he has those weird powers. And I'm like, oh, did you just say you're indestructible? Does that mean that means you don't take durability damage? That sounds awesome. Right. did by that. So that's the knife, Faye. Yeah. We did it. We made it through all four covenants. We did. And now the hard part, next week, you and I are going to rank them. And I think we're going to have to talk about where we're going to put our guys. I think we have to make the decision. So we're going to have to make some spreadsheets, everybody, and really talk about where we're going to put people and why. Because inquiring minds want to know. This is true. So, Dana, would you believe me if I told you that that was episode seven of EFG, LFG, PST? Man, we're killing it. We are. We, nobody stopped us yet. Nope. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as Dana and I enjoyed recording, which is quite a bit. I do have a favor to ask all of you. So, if you subscribe to this show, which I assume you have, this is one of the Engaged Family Gaming podcasts. I talk about video games and board games, among other stuff on my other shows. 
we would absolutely love it if you would go to iTunes, Google Play, etc., and review our show. I can't tell you to give us a five-star review, but I would absolutely love one. And as it turns out, the trick is this. I never really asked for reviews, and I've been doing this for almost five years. And it turns out that that was a tactical error because the thing that makes you most visible is not frequent content. It's not length. No, it is how many reviews do you have? So that's why I'm making a point to ask now. So please, please head on over to your favorite podcast service of choice or all of them if you are so excited and throw some reviews down. We would absolutely love it. Dan and I will be back next week. We will be ranking all the covenants and at the very least giving us a, a pencil decision. I'm not going to hold any of us to it about where we're going to put our various characters. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So if you would like, please send us a message on Twitter at EFG LFG PST or send a email to EFG LFG PST at engagefamilygaming.com and let us know. Is this something that, you know, which which covenant are you going to put yourself in or your various characters? I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, Dana, thank you. Absolutely. And everybody else, we'll see you after the reset. Until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye now.